Welcome to Monkey Talk, brought to you by... The Bald Monkey Wrestling believe we are live hey everybody welcome to monkey talk we're back it's wait is it thursday no it's no, wednesday it's, it's wednesday night live christopher it's wrestle wednesday it's wrestle wednesday and we have a I, I know that i've used this term before special guest we have an extremely special guest tonight somebody that christopher and i have wanted to talk to for quite some time uh, and I have a special intro for the man that is down there on your screens, everybody. He might be that way or this way. I don't know which way he is, but he's down. He's down. He's down there somewhere. He is the he 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 has so many nicknames. I love it. The Crippler of Canton, Ohio. He is an MLW star, part of. Mr. Tom Lawler's Team Filthy. He is not just a one-time, but a two-time IWTV Tag Team of the Year winner. He is the sub, one half of the sub tag team champions. He is one half of quite possibly one of the best tag teams in the world. You might know them as Violence is Forever. He is the Bone Collector, Dominic. Barini, welcome to Monkey Talk, sir. Hi, well, uh, thank you guys for having me, and uh, what what an intro. You can't beat that. I mean, that's a real primer for, for what we're about to get into, so we try I'm to excited, get everybody boys. pumped. We try to get everybody pumped the best we can. The captain has been known to intro. I mean, that's just, that's what he does. He leads us into uh, whatever we got to lead into for the night, so... We appreciate you coming by. Uh, looks like we got double digits in the chat room already, which is great to see. Everybody, just feel free to throw anything out there in, in the chat. We'll fill them in as we can. We appreciate everybody stopping by. And, and Dom, we have a lot to talk about. So I say we just jump right in. There's so much going on. Independent wrestling is amazing right now. But we're going to start a little bit before that. We want to know what young Dom Garini was like little baby Dom Garini growing up. Oh man, you got to do the uh, the waves of the. Um, but no, young Dom Garini, man, what a uh, what a funny question. Um, I was very much just kind of like an outcast nerd type of kid. Um, when I was growing up, um. I liked comedy movies and I was a big pro wrestling fan. You know, some of my earliest memories, uh, I remember, you know, my my parents taking me to video stores and we would always, me and my sister would always get to pick a number of um, videos off in the store. And usually mine was about three wrestling tapes to one to two other tapes. And that was, you know, usually the weekend for us. So that was, that was there. Uh, I actually, a lot of people don't know this. I was born in Canton. I moved to Florida with my family, and then we moved back to Ohio. Uh, in the cruelest joke of all time, my parents, I would spend all of my adolescence in Florida, 
And when I was 12, they're like, hey, we're going to move back to Ohio. But, you know, they decided to do it in the middle of January. So what a culture shock that was to go from like 70 degrees to, you know, five degrees. But when we came back to Ohio, I was really patterned more into like pro wrestling. And I love pro wrestling. Um, and that kind of went all the way through probably my sophomore year of high school. Um, so much that I didn't play football, which was like one of my first loves my sophomore year of high school because I wanted to uh, backyard wrestle. So I backyard wrestled all year. And then I remember going to every football game that year and being like, oh man, what a dummy I am. So I kind of got back into sports at that point. And then when sports were a thing, you know, pro wrestling wasn't really cool anymore. Um, so then from there, I kind of, you know, got into MMA and the rest is history, I guess. Well, man, that was like a history lesson uh, of the bone collector, but you passed over something where you started talking about tapes, which is something that not everybody really even understands what a tape oh, is. Yeah. I mean, the wrestling, the wrestling world, us nerds in the wrestling world, we understand tapes because we pretty much all, you know, our old school guys came up in the tape world. We came up in the VHS times and trading tape. I need to understand what what's some memories of tapes you were renting. What what were you looking for while you're there? Was specific oh, federations or wrestlers or? Yeah, I mean, when I was like when I was like a young kid, like when the video stores were a big thing, it was always like the the coolest WF tape I could find. Usually, like I grew up as like a big Hulk Hogan fan. Like that was the first wrestler I was ever introduced to. So. He was always like a big thing. And for me, like when this, we're talking about 98, 99, you know, I'm eight, nine. I was always trying to find older Coliseum home videos. Like I wasn't necessarily into mm -hmm. renting what was on TV the first time. Uh, like, because like I, that was all recent to me. So like, I was more of like, Hey, uh, invasion of the body slammers is here. And I'm going to pick this out and smack them, whack them is here. So I'm going to pick this out. And like, maybe like 15 people understand this, but I know Jesse will understand this. So like, big shout out to jesse who's always got tapes ready to go <laughs> you know i never i never got into tape trading but i was definitely a blockbuster kid where i was rolling in to find all the calls and i was there by myself there wasn't many people in that section and i was okay with that there was plenty of, yeah. of coliseum tapes in that section for me to, to rent not a huge hulk hogan guy i was probably leaning more towards Shawn Michaels, Ultimate Warrior, that kind of genre. But I did pick something up. It's funny you say that. Oh, I no. just picked up this mad magazine that <laughs> might have had Mr. Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage on it. So some, it. just you know, cool stuff like that that I'm still picking up as a nerd today. But it was, I love the it's, idea that you're in, you know, renting movies that uh Well, it, it's funny because when I was in Florida, all the video rental stores were more mom and pop. So like, they always had a better selection of wrestling tapes. So when I moved to Ohio, all we had was like, there was a Blockbuster, which had next to no wrestling tapes at it that were like order. And there was a Hollywood video. And like, there was a couple of like Coliseums there. And then uh, we have like a kind of like regional uh, store called Drug Mart. It's like an Ohio only chain. And it's mainly just the Northeast portion of Ohio. And they are like one of the only places that still does rent DVDs out. But like they would rent tapes out, and they had Rumble '94, and that was the only Coliseum video they had. And I probably rented that thing like a hundred times. Oh wow! Or which Rumble was that? That's Brett and Luger tie with yeah. Taker and Yoko casket. That's the one. I was thinking. I was like, "There's a casket match in that one." Mm -hmm. 
so much better at me than remembering all that stuff. <laughs> it's wrestling. I remember okay. nothing else. Just wrestling. I know. <laughs> it, it goes in my head, and I remember it, and then it's just like, I forget it. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, now I remember. So Hulk Hogan was your favorite. Is that it? Was that ultimately your favorite wrestler? Okay. So this is this is such a funny like way I'm gonna explain this, but I'm gonna get to uh, a favorite wrestler that no one ever expects me to say. So yeah, when I was a little kid, like mom bought me Hulk Mini Four on VHS. Um, I had that tape for a number of years that I kept, and actually was able to actually find a copy of it um, through the massive AIW uh, merchandise archive that we have. So I ended up, like, Hulk was first, and then Bret Hart was second. And then, of course, there wasn't a kid in 1990 or 1999 that wasn't infatuated with Goldberg and Stone Cold. You know, those were the guys in, 90, in 98, 99. And then kind of as stuff kind of, you know, progressed on and I got older, and I kind of started to understand wrestling more, like Kurt Angle was a favorite. And then in late 2004, early 2005, I came across a CZW tape and I saw this guy and he was a kind of chubby dude, but he talked awesome trash and he was able to do some of the coolest moves I'd ever seen. That guy was Kevin Steen, who everybody knows now better as Kevin Owens. And he actually turned into my favorite wrestler. He's my favorite wrestler of all time now. And he's actually one of the main reasons why I wanted to be a wrestler. That's awesome. That's a great backstory, too. Yeah. And it's an interesting, like, group of wrestlers that got you to Kevin Steen. Yeah, it really it really is. And it was kind of like a big thing of, like, me kind of, like, discovering the independence. Because, like, when I was living in Florida, we got some sports. So I was able to watch ECW. And I would always, and this is, I'm going to, like, obviously I'm not as old as I think I am. But I'll age myself on this. I remember downloading ECW videos off of Kazaa. Oh, or LimeWire, Kazar LimeWire, and it was like never full shows, just one match, and you know you definitely were at the risk of uh, jeopardizing the family computer to get that match. Um, this was also before I figured out that tape trading was still a thing, and I ended up becoming a pretty massive tape trader after that. Um, but so I found these matches, but then some of the tags ended up being like CZW, so like I ended up downloading CZW stuff. And then some of the tags ended up Ring of Honor, and I downloaded some ROH stuff. And pretty much, like, my, my love of ECW is what allowed me to find the independence when I was, like, 14. So. I wish I would have found independence when I was 14. I found independence when I was in my 30s, which is well, better late than never. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a big part of that, more than anything, comes from when there's two – to three massive companies out there, it's harder, like the uh, the the independents are harder to find. They're more of this localized and regionalized. But when there's no, you know, real number two company out there, or even for that matter, number three, like, you know, you've got ECW, it's easier to kind of see what else is out there. And also just the advent of so much more media has really opened up the, the floodgates for independent wrestling. Because like you look at it, when Ring of Honor was was really hitting it big and like CCW and IWA, when those companies were, you know, hitting it big in the early 2000s, there was no way to get those tapes but to buy them off of either RF, 
you know, which we'd rather not talk about for ROH or to buy them from SmartMark, you know, and that's why SmartMark is still such an awesome thing. You know, SmartMark has obviously adapted to the times now and they're, you know, part of a TV and one of the biggest, you know, wrestling streaming services out there in the world now. So it really, it's really an advent to, you know, how easy it is to get wrestling now as opposed to where it was, you know, even in the mid, even in the mid 2000s, like 2005, I mean, you were paying 20 bucks for every ROH DVD. Yeah. Now you have Honor Club, which you pay 10 bucks a month for and can watch every weekly TV show and every, you know, pay-per-view a couple days after it happens. So it's not even close now. There's there's almost almost too much content right now. Like, it's, I, I can't, I try. We have Val for that. every time I open up Twitter. Val does all the heavy lifting for the Bald Buckies podcast. We just let her do most of the heavy lifting with all the independent wrestling she watches, but we try to keep up with Val. That's our goal. Yeah. You know, I, I, I have one question, Dom. Yeah. You, you mentioned Hogan. Just one? Well, no, I got more than one, but just, just about Hogan. Did you have the Hogan Hulkster tank top? So I did not. Um... This is a true story, though. My mom bought me the – so there's the, – and I'm a big wrestling figure guy. Um, if I had a better display right now, I'd show you guys all of them, but I don't right now, and half of them are in the boxes. I haven't taken them out. But uh, my mom, when I was younger, bought me the Hogan and the Warrior pull string talking like Hasbro's that are like way bigger. Like they're like two up size. That's awesome. So I remember Warrior broke. Like the voice box in Warrior broke when I was younger – and then uh, a kid at school broke him in half. And I remember how sad I was. But Hogan still worked, which was, you know, the main thing to me. And it turns out that my mom kept that Hogan for all these years. And it's actually sitting in my room now. She ended up giving it to me, I think, like, after one of my shows. She was like, hey, look what I found. And then, she, so I have that now. And it's, like, really cool to have and to think, man, I've had this since I was a little kid. That's awesome. That's pretty cool. All right. I think we should get back into wrestling. Because we're getting into toys and videos and stuff. Chuck, what do you got on the wrestling way of questions? Well, for, for those of you who might not know, uh, Dom has a background in mixed martial arts. Uh, one of those is uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. So how, how, did you, how did you go from jiu-jitsu to wanting to train and be a wrestler and training with uh, AIW out in Cleveland. So uh, good news is I prefaced the idea of me being a wrestling fan when I was younger and then kind of getting out of it when I got in high school because it wasn't cool anymore per se. Um, and I want to hang out with the cool kids. Um, part of that cool kids thing was I started doing amateur wrestling my junior year of high school. Um, you know, my sister had been a, uh, I've been a mad staff for years and had been trying to talk to me into doing it. I was never into it. And then some of the guys on the football team that I was friends with, you know, were wrestlers. So I decided to do that. Now, when that happens would have been 2006 ish. So like that is like advent of like UFC really hitting their boom period. And I was also a big fan of the ultimate fighter seasons one and two airing after raw when they were on spike. Mm -hmm. So like, I was religious into watching that. I was never like an order the pay-per-views guy, but like anytime I was on Spike, I was watching it. And then once I started doing amateur wrestling, I got even more into MMA. And I kind of took all of the the energy I had when I was like younger into pro wrestling. And I put that all into MMA and jujitsu and things that are MMA really at that point. Um, so one of the other things I found during this time was I found 
Abu Dhabi Combat Club, which is like kind of like the Olympics of no-gi grappling. I was like, man, this is really cool. Like they don't strike, but they're doing all these intricate submissions and it's so intertwined with amateur wrestling. So we would start doing that in the wrestling room in the summer, like when the coach would be around and be like, okay, let's try to submit each other. And it's like, we would do whatever we saw on TV. And like, we really had no fucking clue what we were doing. Uh, <laughs> but we had no clue what we were doing. Like we were grabbing ankles and like arms and cranking them as hard as we could. It was highly unsafe. And I don't suggest that to anybody. Um, but that, so, so that all happens. Now I transitioned to full on jujitsu about a year after I'd been, I was coaching the high school wrestling team that I was part of uh, about a year after. And we were actually going to the UFC weigh-ins for, I think it was UFC 68. No, it wasn't 68. It was 86. And it was uh, Keith Jardine versus Rampage was the main event. But my coach was, my high school wrestling coach was actually a pretty prolific wrestler. He was a national champion at Indiana in Division One, and was an Olympic alternate. So he had, a, and actually was a member of the Foxcatcher team. So like very high level wrestler, had a lot of connections within the MMA wrestling world. So as we go to these weigh-ins, Henry Cejudo, who is, well, you would know him as a double champion of C. He's just recently retired. He was, did some stuff on AEW when they were first starting. Um, he went to these weigh-ins with us and I kind of talked about, I want to start jujitsu. And he was like super supportive and like, Hey, you should do this. So I started that um, pretty much got really into jujitsu to like the same point I got in MMA and was like super into the idea of winning a world title in jiu-jitsu uh, through, the, <laughs> through the IBJJF. Um, and I worked at that for about seven years as hard as I could. Um, one day, I, well, in 2015, I did the Pan Jiu-Jitsu Championships, which is like the second biggest tournament. And I ran across this kid, his name's Andrew Wiltsey. Um, he is now a black belt and probably one of the best jiu-jitsu practitioners in the world. And at this event, Andrew and I happened to draw each other in the second round of the tournament. And I proceeded to get beat worse than I've ever gotten beat in my life and probably anything I've ever done. Just absolute ass whooping, like terribly bad. And for the first time in like almost eight years, I had to like sit in a locker room and I pondered what I was going to do with myself because I said, this guy is clearly light years better than me. And I could probably train for years and never be better than this guy because sometimes, you know, this is a very cliched saying, Sometimes there's levels to this. And I think that was the day I realized that maybe I was never going to get to the level I wanted to get in jiu-jitsu or that I kind of just dedicated six to seven years of my life to getting to. Um, so I gave it one more go. I went to the world championships and I said, you know what? If I don't win at least three matches, I'm going to strongly reassess everything I'm doing. Um, and I ended up losing in the first round to the guy that got third. So um at that point, I just kind of took a week off. And I, to this point, I had never taken a week off training in my life. I literally had trained and trained and trained and trained and trained and trained and trained. After tournaments, I was still training. And this is the first time where I was like, you know, I'm just going to take a week off. Um, I really just need to clear my head. While all this is happening, the aforementioned Kevin Steen earlier is getting called up to the main roster in the WWE. He is feuding with John Cena, and I am really back in the following wrestling at this point, like pretty hardcore. And when Cena got to the NXT or when uh, Steen got to NXT, I really started to like kind of go back and see like, wow, what did I miss? And all this time where like this guy I loved, like what did I miss him do on the indies? And I kind of got a crash course in everything he did in PVG, everything he did in ROH, etc. So I was like, hell yeah. So when I came back from uh, California, 
it turned out that Raw was in Cleveland that night. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to go. And I always reference this moment. And it's uh, Steen gives MGK of all people the powerbomb stage. And it was like that night, I was like, you know what? I'm going to hate myself if I was 16 and I want to be a wrestler. I never give this a shot. So that night I went home, probably like 2 a.m., started searching wrestling schools. I found a couple in the area, one of which was AIW. And I saw Johnny and Candice, which I knew from my uh, go back and, and finding how Steen had been doing all those years, how big of a deal Johnny Gargano and Candice LeRae were. So then I consulted with one other person. I had coached uh, two young men in Jiu-Jitsu since they were eight. They were, they probably been, they probably have been about 13 at the time. And I knew their dad from having set up wrestling rings back when I was 16 and being a backyarder, I would go to local shows and set up rings and their dad was a ref. And uh, I, I pulled him aside, I said, James, I said, I think I'm done competing in Jiu-Jitsu for the time being. I said, I really want to train to be a pro wrestler. And I said, I'm between these two schools. And when I gave him the two schools, he said, you have to go to AIW. He said, I know the way your personality is and how you know, you're dedicated to try to be the best at what you can be. He goes, I, he goes, you need to go there because that's going to get you to where you want to be. So uh, I ended up finally going to the AW school and kind of the rest is history from there. Yeah. What was, what was the biggest thing that you took away from, you know, training with, you know, Johnny Gargano and Candace and the number of other people that have been through their doors? Yeah. I, I mean, one of the biggest things I learned from Johnny and Candace, um, especially Johnny, Johnny, I learned more so that wrestling is much less about the moves than everybody thinks. Um, essentially, and I say this to the kids now as a trainer, I say, you can teach a monkey how to do moves, but you can't teach a monkey how to elicit emotion out of a crowd. You can't teach a monkey how to make the crowd care for you. And you can't really teach a monkey necessarily how to sell tickets, although I will say a monkey doing like power bombs would probably sell a bunch of fucking tickets. Um, <laughs> but that was something that Johnny taught me. Uh, Candace taught me a couple of things. One thing that is a really underrated thing that Candace taught me that not a lot of people think about is Candace kind of taught me how to handle social media in terms of not everybody in the world is going to like you, nor is everybody in the world going to think that you're good at all. In fact, some people will probably think that you're very bad. Candace kind of taught me how to weed out the bullshit, I would say, and how to, you know, how to weed out the bullshit and how to block out people that might hate you because honestly you could have 100 matches and they might be the 100 best matches you have but no matter what someone will always still find a way to be like man that sucked or i don't like you and that just happens and you know candace was really big into well there's one person that didn't like it she was how many people liked it you know and so on and so forth um one other thing i learned and this is from non-johnny or candace would be something i learned from hot sauce tracy williams um Tracy took a really big liking to me when he met me at my first AIW show. Um, he's actually my first singles match in AIW. And Tracy really taught me to never be complacent um, and to never think I'm good. Um, always find a problem in something I did. Watch back the footage. Don't think about how good the match was or how good somebody told you the match was. And find, find something wrong that you need to improve on. Um, and that was massive. Um, actually, I was just was listening earlier today to Joe Rogan's podcast with Corey Sandhagen, who's a top three level uh, bantamweight in the UFC right now. And they talk about this complacency monster and how when you get complacent, 
you start to think I'm pretty good. And then that's when your performance actually starts to drop. So that was something that Tracy taught me years ago. Do you find, you know, on, on the independent wrestling scene, is it hard to get, I don't want to say the, the, what negatively happens in the ring, like, but those negative comments of like, this didn't really work or is everyone just kind of like, Oh yeah, you did a great job. That was an awesome match. And then you're just kind of like, well, I don't know what I can do to make myself better. No. Uh, and I think this is part of the reason why Kevin and I have succeeded uh, as tag team wrestlers the way we have since we decided to make the tag team. Kevin and I, ha- I think, very rarely ever come to the back and say, man, that was good. Uh, I think maybe we've done that twice our entire career as a tag team. Um, like, I can tell you right now, you know, you guys probably watched the action match between us and Drake and Henry. And they talked about how great it was, but Kevin and I came to the back and we both had a list of things in our head that we messed up and that we didn't like and that we had to get better at. And if you just read Twitter and you're like, oh man, everybody's saying how good this is, you don't find that. But like, that's, that's part of, I think, getting to the next level in wrestling is not looking or is being able to look at Twitter and say, you know what, even though people said this was good, I can do this, this, and this better. And it's always finding something, whether it be down to, I stepped the wrong way on this, or I could have fed better into that. Yeah. So there's, uh, I'm going to put it, frankly, there's a shit ton of stuff that, that you got, you, you individually and you and Kevin have coming up over the next month. I mean, first, first off is uh, what's coming up that you guys are doing closed set this Sunday with SUP Southern Underground Pro. Are these our lives? Uh, you guys are going up against the the Bitcoin boys. Uh, talk to us about uh, that match, and then and then also what has gone into kind of that show. And do you have any hints of when it's going to come out on IWTV? What might we see in the near future? Um. Yeah, so uh, Bitcoin Boys, first and foremost, are a very uh, up-and-coming tag team. Um, I'm very familiar with them, considering I trained them both. Um, they're both AIW school uh, graduates. Um, they are actually the first class that I trained front-end to back-end with no uh, other kind of, like, veteran presence to help me. Like, uh, a lot of, like, the classes before still had, like, a little bit of Johnny, a little bit of Candice, you know, something along those lines. So, so the Bitcoin Boys are part of that first class. Um, I really think that Eric Taylor and uh, Mikey Montgomery, you know, pose a really interesting uh, threat in terms of um, just high speed, a lot of dirty tactics, but a lot of cool offensive maneuvers as well. But if there's anybody that knows them, it's probably their trainer. Um, <laughs> so we're going to we're going to end up definitely for sure um, having a fun match. And I think it'll be a good one. As for the show on March 14th, um, we do not know an air date. I would assume with who we have editing the show um, that it should be hopefully up within a couple of weeks, but I I can't make any guarantees. I don't know how that's going to work. But this show is kind of a year in the making. Uh, This show is one year from the day that the last sub show ran. And that was actually one of the last real events in Nashville before, you know, they shut down. Um, so this is like a year in the making as well. This is our first show back at basement East since, uh, you know, right before 
this all happened last year, all the COVID stuff, you know, Basement East was leveled with a, a catastrophic tornado where we thought maybe we were going to lose, you know, the only sub venue to the point where like, if we weren't going to have Basement East, we thought that it wasn't even worth it to run the company anymore because Basement East is so synonymous with the brand. Uh, so it means a lot to be able to, you know, come back and come back to Basement East. And it also means a lot to be able to put on a really good show for a lot of people that uh, supported us and, and did some sponsorships for this show to help make it possible. So, you know, the whole sub crew is, you know, beyond gracious for, you know, everybody's generosity um, to help make this, make this a thing, you know? Yeah. And if anybody wants to go watch that last show before the pandemic happened, go to IWTV. You can use many of the codes. You can use action. You get five days. Okay. We're, we're, we're contractually good to good now to, to move on Christopher, right? We did our action promo, but okay. you can also use subs that, and you can also get five. Is that it? Yeah. I don't know all the promo codes. I, I, I actually do. It, yeah, I have them all logged away, but it's okay. Good. Okay. So, so we got that show on a sun. Well, we got that, that happening on Sunday and now we're going to fast forward to Friday and the action doubleheader. They have the, the Matt sells Eric Royal show. We're not going to talk about that. We don't care about that show right now. We're going to talk about quite possibly the longest show title name in the history. Uh, you can't do that in a wrestling ring uh, where once again, tag team wrestling, you and Kevin are going up against the skulk, Liam Gray and Adrian Alanis. They, they've, they've been around hanging around in action for a little while uh i i know where my allegiance lies and it has nothing to do with the fact that we're talking to you but what do you think what do you think is going to happen in that match um so i have known liam and adrian for a long time um when i was doing a lot of my stuff with evolve back in um late 2017 through most of 2018 uh, Liam and Adrian were always traveling with AR Fox when he was booking my shows. And uh, I actually have had a match with uh, the two of them. Um, it was me. This is, listen to this dream team. It was the Skulk and then versus myself, Chris Dickinson, and one Stokely Hathaway, AKA Malcolm Bivens of um, WWE fame, NXT fame. Where what is a- that match that I can go watch it? <laughs> um, it is somewhere, it's somewhere in the WBN archives, which are probably soon to end up on maybe Peacock. I don't know who knows with everything that's going on and how they're integrating the systems, but uh, maybe at some point, WWE Network, I know that all that footage got sold, I believe, to the WWE, so I don't know what they're going to do with it. We'll see, but yeah, they're, that, that match is somewhere in the archives. It's from New York, or no, it's from Chicago. So, uh, yeah, that, it was just a fun match. But I was always really impressed with those kids' hustle. Those kids were coming out, you know, thousands of miles, you know, with no nothing besides being Fox's, like, entourage. So, you know, those guys learned a lot. And it's kind of funny that maybe Adrian and Liam have forgot their roots and have kind of become so conceited in their ways, you know, at action now that they forgot, you know, what got into the dance and what got them there. Um, and you know, Kevin and I, it's just our goal to prove that we're one of the best tag teams in the world every time we go out there and every time we have a tag match. So 
that's where our head's going to be. And it's going to be to go out there you know, next Friday and prove it once again. That's speaking of being the, one of the best, if not the best tag teams in the world. I know that there was a little uh, social media buzz around some tag team called FTR. I mean, really quickly, did, did, did you guys hear anything back from them? Are we going to see you guys kick their ass in a ring? Um, well, uh, of course, um, you know, Dax replied back to me uh, saying that we weren't ready. Um, you know, we laid the challenge out there. We will see if, you know, they answer said challenge. Um, we kind of laid that challenge down for WrestleMania weekend uh, at our show, Have Fun, Be Sad. We will see if they answer. Um, if they do not, you know, we have some other options out there on the table that we're hoping for. But uh, we'll see. You know, obviously those guys had a, had a big night tonight. Uh, for anybody that was watching, uh, looks like they kind of had their little four horsemen deal finally uh, as MJF and Wardlow joined up with them uh, to beat up old, old Chris Jericho tonight in the inner circle. So we'll see where it lies. Um, you know, Kevin and I think that to prove that you're the best, you have to take on the best. And FTR was number one in the uh, PDBI Tag 50, where we ended up at 49 or 47. You know, we thought we should have been higher, but it is what it is. And, you know, to us, the only way to prove how good we are is to take on the best. And that's kind of always been our motto. And we've always wanted to do that. And the more teams get signed, the more it becomes kind of difficult to that. And, you know, we know that AEW has somewhat of an open door policy to let people work indies if, you know, these indies mean something to them. So to us, you know, calling out FTR was all about, you know, finding them maybe being invested in telling Tony Khan and, you know, management AEW, hey, you know, we want to go prove that we're the best against these guys. So we'll see if that challenge is answered. But, you know, Kevin and I have nothing but respect for Dax and Cash. And we, we do feel that they're one of the best tag teams in the world, if not the best. So that's why the challenge got laid down. You know, we did a little back and forth banter and we'll see what comes of it. Now you mentioned have fun, be sad. That's happening mania week where you're a very busy person running around like crazy. And, and that was going to be one of my questions was we haven't seen a match for either you or Kevin announced for that, but you gave us a little bit of insight into that. How, how did the, since you guys are the, sponsors of the show how did the whole action versus up uh idea come about and and how well, did you guys pick everything it's it, it's less of an action versus sub show more of just a showcase of the two promotions um i some of the matches might seem like action versus up but it's never really been the been the case of the of the show um it's more of just you know we wanted to work together and action want to work together and you know, the idea was broached like, hey, why, why don't you guys book the show and we'll have you guys be the hosts? And, you know, Kevin and I, we say we'll never try to turn down a good time. So uh, that was just an idea that was, you know, broached by Matt and then, you know, sub management and we all kind of agreed on it. Um, every match, yeah, has something to do with like somebody that Kevin or I has seen in our time or has, you know, kind of some kind of like overarching meaning through us or through, you know, what's going on in the two companies. Uh, so like, obviously, you know, J.D. Drake, you know, we have a very storied history with Drake through our rivalry with Drake Henry. Um, AJ Gray is our champion. So of course, you know, he's going to represent SUP in that regard. Um, you know, you look at that four-way Haas, you know, the four-way fray that, that's between the Haas, you know, you have Alex Kane, who's been kind of making his name, you know, in action and is going to be debuting for Sup this Sunday. 
You have Logan Creed, who Kevin and I are very familiar with through the MLW scene. Um, Steve May, or, you know, one called Manders. I've known Manders since, you know, he really started and was riding every single show. So, like, kid deserves, you know, or the guy deserves his chance. Plus, maybe George Kittle will come. I don't know. Um, <laughs> if you didn't know, Manders is, like, best friend to George Kittle from the San Francisco 49ers. Um, Which is and so then, cool to me. So cool. I'm a big Niners yeah. fan, so that just makes Manders <laughs> even cooler to me. And then, uh, and then Derek Neal is somebody that, you know, Kevin and I have crossed paths with throughout our time really feel that he's one of the most underrated guys on the independent circuit. And uh, we were really just happy to give him an opportunity to really shine that week. And I think that's one of the big things that uh, WrestleMania week is really about that some people forget about. It's partially about finding new stars. It's not about using the same six guys that are going to be on every show everywhere. Um, it's about finding new stars and giving stars a chance to break out. Um, so there's that uh, you look at it, you know, Myron Reed, uh, a guy that, you know, our, our careers have kind of been parallels with each other, you know, taking on AC Mack, you know, AC Mack's got a lot of, got of atonement to do for, you know, losing his belt. So, you know, what better than to give him one of the, the top stars out there. You look at, uh, I'm trying to think what else we've even, oh, John Davis and O'Shea Edwards. I, I mean, I've gushed about, you know, how much I love watching John Davis in Ring of Honor uh, and pretty much his, most of his Evolve run. So to have him on is a great thing. And, you know, O'Shea is synonymous with both sub and action. And, uh, you know, sometimes you just need a Haas fight, like a super big, you know, singles Haas fight. And, you know, they're going to they're gonna do that. So there's just so much going on, um, you know, with the talent announced. So we're, we're excited about it. And, you know, we really think that it's going to be a pretty good show and really think that it's going to be one of the finer, you know, attractions meeting weekend, and especially on the IWTV Showcase of the Independence. Definitely. Like, have you guys bought a uh, reinforcement kit for the ring for that four-way match? Nah. Well, we're going to take our chance. Uh, you know, no ring shows are a thing, so if the ring breaks, we'll take our chances on it. <laughs> Logan might break the ring. He now, tries. Yeah, he does. Now, you mentioned O'Shea against John Davis. Now, also during Mania Week, you have a match against uh, Mr. Davis for ICW, correct? Correct, yes. That's the, is it the Then and Now show, I think? Yeah, that was the Then and Now. That one, that one will be in the confines of the of the ICW chains. Nice. And now you're, you also have another show with ICW while you're down there as well, the Battle of the Tough Guys. Yep, and then that's, so that's the Pit Fighter uh, where it's, at, the entire show will take place in an, an, an MMA cage, so it is going to be uh, definitely a sight to behold and a spectacle for sure. Yeah, this John Davis and me match has been scheduled about four times. Uh, you know, it's John ended up having a knee injury last year, so he he ended up this like this this match to put on ice a few times. And uh, you know, when the offer came to do it meeting weekend, you know, I I jumped at that offer and I said let's let's go ahead and finally get this done. Um, for me, when I started independent wrestling, I had a list of like guys between like the years of like 06 to 2012 that like I really appreciated their matches and like their work and like I wanted to work them and like Dark City Fight Club was on that list for sure. So I get to kind of cross another one off my list with John Davis. So I'm excited about that. What's the After match count? What's the match count for Mania Weekend? Like, I, the, like what is there? Is there a goal? Well, let me let me rephrase that. Do you have a certain amount of matches that you're trying to have for Mania no. Weekend? Not necessarily. I mean, 
I'm trying to make sure that my body doesn't just fail itself by the end of the weekend, um, which might happen. Um, I just want to make it to Sunday because at this point on Sunday, I, I plan to go and, and see my retired father, Eric Stevens, um, since he's close to the area. So it's kind of my game plan is to at least make it to Sunday so I don't die. Um, I think in the last WrestleMania weekend that happened, which would have been New York, New Jersey, I had five, Matt, four. You know, I only ended up with four because one of the shows Kevin and I was on got completely canceled. Uh, so I only ended up with four on that weekend. So that's kind of where my head's at. Uh, the last collective, which would have been Indianapolis, we did what? We did, I did two on thir- or two on Friday, one on Saturday, and two on Sunday. So that would have been five. So I think five in like a three-day span is like my tops. But I'm almost fairly certain that I'm going to be well above five. I think that uh, me and Kevin are going to be pretty pretty well showcased at the Showcase of the Independence. Um, I don't really have anything outside of that venue, so you will be able to watch myself mostly on IWTV. So keep the dial tuned there. Nice. Now, have you scheduled a uh, recoupment period, either at a hospital or a full service spa or, or something for after Mania weekend? Uh, so usually, usually if I am within an hour of Disney, and especially Kevin and I, uh, everybody knows kind of our like Disney uh, pilgrimages that we do. Um, I think we're, I think Kevin's going to skip it this time. He's got some commitments that he's got to make. So we'll see. Maybe I'll go to Disney on Sunday. Maybe I'll go just hang out with the, with the Eric Stevens clan. I don't know yet. We'll have to kind of have to see where it lies. Um, but I do know that I think my last show is Saturday afternoon. So after that, I'm going to definitely um, try to chill out and uh, recruit my body. Uh, maybe just find a, uh, a jacuzzi or something. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, man. There's still, I mean, and, and then you have stuff with Paradigm Pro coming mm-hmm. up at the end of this month. And then the match I just got announced today against Akira in May. I mean, you are, you are busy. I don't even know how you stay in one piece. Well, truthfully, one of the things that helped me a lot was the actual uh, kind of lockdown and quarantine last year on this time. Because last year on this time, I was probably right around as busy as I was now. And my body was like really starting to reject me. Uh, I had some nagging injuries that I just never really had the time to recoup. Uh, when you're on the road every weekend, you don't really get that chance. Uh, so to get a month and a half out of not only, you know, not only was I a month and a half out of like bookings, I was a month and a half out of training. Like the gyms in Ohio were completely shut down. So, I mean, I was doing a little bit of at-home work, but not a lot. So, like, I had a month to just really recruit my body and really do nothing besides rest. And that month and a half really kind of ended up, you know, revitalizing me. And also during that time, it was a time where I, Kevin and I had talked and I really got into body recovery and, and thinking about stuff like that. I mean, I've spent a lot of money on body recovery tools, massage guns, cupping sets, things like that. And that's kind of helped me out a lot. Um, to really learn the importance of body recovery, um, as well. I just think, uh, and this was something that was also brought up in that Rogan, Corey Sandhagen podcast was just like the fact of like actually working out makes you so much healthier. Um, it helps you move things around better. It helps you move your body around better. So kind of getting onto a more dedicated, uh, strength conditioning plan has helped me out as well. Nice. Okay, Christopher, let's get out of the ring for a little bit. Let's get out of the ring. I'm actually going to jump into the chat first because oh. our, our our resident question guy, John Miller, has a few questions in the chat. 
Uh, so he wants to know, Dom, do you watch Cobra Kai? Oh, I love Cobra Kai. Phenomenal. All right. And then what are some of your go-to submissions? Um, so it all matters. Gi versus no gi is always kind of the big question. Um, my game changes a little bit no gi. Um, I really like to I really like to go guillotines and arm triangles and no gi. When I'm in the gi, I really like to um, bow and arrow choke is probably my top and favorite uh, submission. Ezekiel chokes probably a, a close second. And then, you know, sometimes you can't just beat a good old arm bar, so. All right, so this is a follow-up. Obviously, you love Danielson since you're the Italian-American dragon. Mm -hmm. Do you prefer heel or face Danielson? Oh, dickhead heel Brian Danielson is one of my favorite Ring of Honor arcs. You will, you will always hear me look at that for and you'll, and I'm sure you'll hear this, you know, next Friday at, at action. And I will literally say when there's a real break, I've got till five. And that comes right from me watching Brian Danielson and ROH in 2004 and 2005. All right, I think that's it from John for right now. Good questions, John. We always appreciate it. Thank you. So as Chuck said, we're going to get out of the ring for a second. I have no idea how you're going to answer this. I know what you might like, but... Do you have any hobbies outside of the ring, which you're not normally outside the ring? So I don't know, other than running a, a wrestling promotion or, or booking a promotion or wrestling in a ring. Yeah. Like, uh, my free time is very cannibalized, uh, to say the least. Um, <laughs> but I do have hobbies. Yeah. I mean, I'm, an, I'm remotely a normal human for that. So I think to start with some of my like more interesting, quirky hobbies and then go into like the really normal ones. Um, so, I've always been a collector of things. We talked about my figures. So I've gotten really back into football cards lately, which is quite possibly the most unnecessarily expensive hobby I've ever encountered in my life. Um, and I've also managed to get Eric Stevens back into it uh, to the point where like, that's pretty much all we talk about now. Uh, it used to be we talk about wrestling a lot. Now we talk about wrestling very little and we talk about football cards every day. Uh, so like collecting is like a big like thing I like to do. Um, I like to collect sports that like I'm really involved in football, uh, you know, pro wrestling, MMA, stuff like that, uh, which then brings me to another hobby. I love the NFL. Like, Cleveland Browns fan till I died. This was one of the greatest years of my life in terms of football. Uh, I had, you know, 19 weeks of Browns football, so it was, you know, amazing. Um, you know, I wish it would end it a little better, but no problems otherwise. Um, so I, I do a lot of, you know, following around um of the nfl the comings and goings not just the browns just the league in general I, I love football which is like the biggest difference between kevin and i because kevin hates sports so like sundays to me are like football dedicated like don't talk to me and like kevin like doesn't necessarily understand that um but it also comes from like what my degree is and in school like i have a bachelor's degree from kent state university in sports administration you know before i made the jump into being a pro wrestler and what I, my current day job is I was going to, my thought process was I was going to either be in the front office of an NFL team or I was going to be a sports agent. So um, if anybody knows Kevin and I, you know that Disney is a hobby of ours. Um, anytime we are in the Orlando, the greater Orlando area, we like to take any chance we can to go to the parks. Um, it's something that we just love to do. And it's definitely been like one of like our definite big friendship things. So that's definitely a hobby that we, that we have to so much to the point to where I, at one point this year, we were just like, Hey, let's just go to Disney. Uh, like during Christmas time just to go, 
and we did. So that was fun. Um, the best time to go. Uh, it's the best time to go, but it's also the busiest time to go. True. But yes. Pand- Pandemic Disney is way better than Pandemic Universal. Uh, it's definitely more oh. proud when it's better done. Um, whereas Universal just looks like they're winging it. So <laughs> it was. It was. But Disney when we went over Christmas time was much cooler than Universal. Um, although we did do a really cool Universal Park tour and like did some stuff like the Grinch and stuff, but we're saving those pictures for our Christmas card next year. Oh, lovely. Nice. So that's kind of that. And then like, besides wrestling, like my day job takes up a lot of my time. Um, I, I work in a field called vocational rehabilitation services, um, essentially where I help people with developmental disabilities find employment. Um, so that's... My day before I have to go to the gym, go to the wrestling stuff. So that, like I said, that that takes a lot of my time, and sometimes that job is more than just the eight hours I'm in the office. Sometimes it's you got to go see this kid on a site or this this gentleman on a site, so on and so forth. So the last thing that I would say is a hobby of mine, or I have two. I love true crime documentaries. Um, usually, like I'm trying to figure out all kinds of stuff about serial killers, or I got this year I've gotten really into like studying cults and stuff. Like uh, I, I did a lot of like looks for like looking into like Jonestown and stuff like that. And then my last hobby was before the pandemic, I loved to go to the movies. If I had an off weekend day, I would usually go to the movies by myself because I found it as a really cool time to just shut off for about two hours. My phone went away, and I just had two hours of immersing myself in a movie. Uh, sadly, I have not been to a theater probably like February of last year. I think 1912 or Bad Boys Forever was the last movie I saw in the theaters. So that's a timestamp for you on how long it's been. I don't even think they've opened the movie theaters by me here in Pennsylvania. They have. They have here in Ohio. Um, but I think it's a hard sell because like, I even went by the theater today when I was going to the grocery store. And it was at like seven o'clock. There's just nobody there. I think it's a hard sell right now. And it's going to get even harder, like the HBO Max deal and all that stuff. True. You did good, Dom. That was a lot of good. That was a lot of stuff. That was, I was more than I expected other than just yeah, like, right. dude, I don't got time for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I try, I try to make time for other stuff because if all you do is watch wrestling and, uh, train wrestling and do everything you're going to end up presenting it at a point so and i was definitely at that point at one point probably a couple of years ago so i'm definitely over that point now and just more into like trying to find the stuff i enjoy and stuff to do fair nice. well, let's hit the traveling. road chuck let's hit the well, road I know we're gonna hit the road traveling you it sounds like you've traveled a lot of places you've got to have some kind of funny interesting exciting story from the road something that you can tell us you can change names uh if it's oh, like throw people under have, the bus i have a really i have a really good uh kevin and i road story that i think you'll you'll find humorous so uh kevin and i had a kind of crazy triple shot weekend back a couple years ago when well, i would have been 20 2018 2018 no yeah it would have been 2018. Yeah. So we were at a promotion that no longer exists in Virginia on Friday, but Kevin came down or came up to Ohio from Nashville on uh, Thursday to hang out. And then we went Friday to Virginia and then we drove, which is about six and a half hours. And then we drove 
back to Ohio right after the show. And we slept for like three hours and we had a Black Label Pro the next day in Crown Point, Indiana, which is about five and a half hours away from us. So at this point, Kevin and I are very tired. And Kevin owed me money for something. I, I, I must have picked something up on the road for him. So we, we stopped at Chick-fil-A to get lunch. And Kevin's like, okay, it's on me. And I'm like looking at the menu and I'm like, what's the funniest fucking thing I can get? I have like a 50 piece catering tray nuggets. And I shit you not. I go, I think I'm going to get that 50 piece nugget. He goes, no, you're not. And I said, oh yeah, I am. And then I literally, I get up to the counter. I say, can I have the uh, 50 piece? And I get 50 piece nugget. And I remember Kevin probably still has this picture on his phone somewhere of just me looking at this 50 piece nugget with like the most guilty, funny smile on my face. Um, This is less of a road story and just more of like a Dom and Kevin together story. So this same year, 2018, uh, Kevin came up to Ohio for AIW's big show of the year, Absolution. Um, And at the time, Tom Lawler and I had been in a blood feud in AIW and we were going to have a dog car match that night. Um, So one of the big rules we have for absolution for all the students and staff of the IW is you dress up like a WrestleMania. Like when you see a WrestleMania documentary, those guys are all dressed in the nines. We do the same thing for absolution. It's probably the dumbest idea ever, but it's just something we'd like to do to make the show feel special. Um, so I have a dress shirt on, um, I dress pants and I think I was wearing dress shoes at the time. And I have a, a, you know, and I'm like looking really regal and ready to go. And Kevin sees me in the driveway with a carton of orange juice and a bottle of aspirin because I'm in a dog car match night, so I'm going to bleed and, you know, pull the curtain back to get good blood. You know, you take aspirin and you drink orange juice because it thins your blood out. So uh, Kevin has this picture of me in my driveway. It is 92 degrees outside, drinking orange juice, or drinking out of the carton of orange juice, taking aspirin in my dress clothes. <laughs> it is a top five picture of all time. It is so funny. Um I'm trying to Pro- think if I profile pick. Yeah. <laughs> I think like the road stories about stuff. Did, how many of the fifty nuggets did you finish? Twenty-five or thirty, I think. Oh, okay. It, it's funny up a little short. You, it's funny short. that you even bring that up because w- w- my family we got we got Chick Fil A the other night, and I was looking at their menu, and I was like, "Ooh, the fifty-piece nuggets." I was like. I think I could do that. And then my 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 daughter, who is 12, is like, yeah, I think I could eat that. I was like, no, yeah. you can't. I did do the last collective, the, the the collective in Indianapolis. Me, Tom Waller, Koo, and Makabe went to the mall. There was like a random Indianapolis mall we went to. And we all got Chick-fil-A except for Daniel because he is uh, he's vegan. Um, so we all got like food and I got the, the tw- I think the 20 piece, uh, 20 piece Chick-fil-A nugget. And I finished that, but I felt awful after it. And then I remembered that like in like four hours I had wrestle. So that was like a terrible, <laughs> um, that also reminds me of when Tom and I went, like we were at in Indianapolis, we went to just like this random mall. It was like the most rundown godforsaken mall you've ever been to, but they had this like really cool toy store. And Tom and I go in and they have like all these cool wrestling figures, all these cool like old 90s pop culture things. And, you know, Tom and I find some stuff and we go to buy it. And the guy's like, hey, I'm a really big MLW fan. Can I take a picture with you guys? And Kevin just like couldn't believe it. <laughs> That's <something laughs> At that time. Because that was like before the restart and before Kevin had started. So like 
I was just like, wow, this is really random that this guy wants to take this picture with us and he knew us and he gave us sweet discounts on stuff. Like got a really good deal on some stuff. What was your best pickup there? If you remember. Oh, oh I remember was I, I had two of them sitting up on my uh, bookshelf above me. Um, they had these old TNA figures mint in package and they were signed. One was Samojo, who's like one of my top five favorite wrestlers. Wow. And the other one was AJ Styles. These are mint in package figures, which are pretty rare. So I think they were both like 25 bucks a piece, but to top it off, they were autographed. But they were personalized to a guy named Ron. Luckily, I saw that there was enough spacing between that, between the autograph and where the two part that I could literally take, you know, nail polish remover and take the two part off. So essentially I got these two very rare figures fully autographed on the package for like, I think that ended up, I got those two and then I got another figure of some sorts and the whole thing ended up only being like $25. Like the guy gave me such a discount. So it was like insane. I was like, uh, are you sure? He's like, yeah. I was like, okay. Uh, yeah. That's, go. that's a serious discount. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay. I was like, my guy. That's, that's an MLW discount. All right. <laughs> right. right. Major league, if you would. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I think we've gotten to the point where we could talk through favorites. We have a lot of information. I'm excited about this one. Uh, Vic Sage in the chat jumped the gun a little bit, but we're going to give him the first favorite. Favorite Disney character. Oh, um, little green alien from Toy Story. Love it. Yep, that is uh, my favorite thing. Toy Story is my favorite Disney uh, movie. So, little green, uh, little green alien from Toy Story. The fact they've done remix figure or remix pops this year has made me buy a lot of pops this year. Um, and then, like Up is like one of my top five. So like Doug from Up is like, like probably like a close like second for me. Nice. Now, in Disney, and I know you guys are big Disney heads. What's your favorite attraction? And I'm going to say it very specific like that because it opens up the door to everything. What's your favorite attraction in the Disney parks? Oh, wow. The whole parks, that, that encompasses a lot. This is this would be, if you ever get Kevin on, this would be a good question for Kevin because it's going to make him have to make some real, real tough choices. Tough decisions, um, yeah. But for me, this is a crazy thing to say. Uh it's going to be number one. I Hollywood Studios is my favorite, so it comes from Hollywood Studios. And it's the rock and roller coaster. And it's not going to be for the reason that you expect. Um, I don't really like really care for the Aerosmith theming of the ride. It actually probably should have been rethemed years ago. Uh, but true story, my dad did all the concrete work for the building uh, when we lived in. So to me, it's always got a special. And I remember my dad's company, us getting like like the company night at the park. So I always remember that from like being a kid. So that's why I always have a soft spot for that. Now that's number one, just because of that. Now, not my other one. I love Tower of Terror. Tower of Terror is like best of all time to me. Um, and I, I think Kevin and I, when we went the last time, went on it twice. The other times I've been, I try to go on as much as I can. Uh, big fan and, and love it. Um, now, when you talk about like Magic Kingdom, uh, Kevin's gonna tell you Haunted Mansion, and I know that for a fact, so you don't have to ask him. Uh, for me, I'm a big, uh, I love Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. Oh, yeah. And I also love the Buzz Lightyear uh, Space Ranger Spin, although I will say it before he ever gets on here. Kevin beats my ass at it when we do it together. I have actually never won against anybody I've ever played Buzz Lightyear Ranger Spin against somehow. 
I always, you know, get destroyed somehow. So even though I love it, it's the theming. You got to aim for the Zerg on top of the planet. It's worth extra points. I know. That's why everybody tells me, but I always miss it. And everybody else always gets it. <laughs> and then, like, if there's, like, a, like, a, like, a distant, like, and I've only written it once. Slinky Dog Dash is awesome uh, out of the new coasters that they have. And then Toy Story is always awesome, too. Uh, it's another great competition game. Yeah. Oh, uh, John Miller comes back with favorite Disney show. Oh, gosh. Um, probably more than likely Chippendale Rescue Rangers. Yes. Nice. Although, although Darkwing Duck is a close one in there, too, though. That's, that, that's good, too. That whole, I, like, time, like, when it was Darkwing... It was Chippendale Rescue Rangers. It was, uh, um, oh my lord, how to uh, Ducktales? The original Ducktales. Tailspin. Tailspin. Oh, the, those four back to back to back to back. Yeah, you can't beat it. And then you had Gar and gargoyles came along. It was awesome. Oh, yes. Uh, oh man, we're just going Disney theme tonight. This is just going to be the favorite segment. <laughs> All right, favorite rescue ranger. Was it Chip or Dale? But what they don't realize is there was more rescue rangers than Chip and Dale, so I'm going to open it up to just favorite uh, rescue I, ranger. I'm always a Dale guy. All right, and this is one of Val's favorite questions. I love this question. If you were a Disney princess, which one would you be and why? Ooh, that is a toughie. Disney princess, which one would I be? Probably, I'd probably be Belle uh, because I like reading and I'm a little bit of a nerd. So I'd, I'd go with Belle. There you go. There you go, Val. We got a Belle on our hands. <laughs> All right, so let's get out of Disney because we could, we could Rapunzel, yeah, be here. take her dive. Yeah, get um, so anyway, uh, movies. Uh, you mentioned you love going to movies. You mentioned you like comedies. I, I need to know what your top five movies would be if you were stuck on an island and you can only have five movies what would they be um well i mean i'm gonna th i'm gonna throw a couple in here and uh two you're gonna be like okay well i i listened to the last name so it makes sense um first and foremost i'm going to take goodfellas because it's probably my favorite movie of all time uh second i'm gonna take casino because it's a very close second to me uh, and the Scorsese kind of like modicum, those two are very, very high on my list. Um, next, I'm going to take, and uh, you can judge me if it's how you want, Tommy Boy. Um, that's another Ohio thing. Um, I love Chris Farley. Tommy Boy is clearly, in my opinion, one of his best films. Um, I can pretty much quote the whole movie. I can also point out one of the most uh, flawed parts of the movie. Uh, which if you want me to, I will point out to you. Ring if that you bell. Don't... Ring that bell. <laughs> yeah. Go for it. Oh, how geography. This part of the movie will make absolutely zero sense to you. And when they're at the, near the end of the movie, um, she's, or Tommy's love interest is trying to get a flight from Sandusky to Cuyahoga Falls. Um, first and foremost, I doubt that there are an air, is there, there's an airport that runs that. Second of all, that is literally literally an hour and 20 minute drive tops so what kind of airline would offer that flight like what are you are you, are you driving a cessna like 
and anybody who knows Ohio geography always gets real hung up on it. Like, like say like you were going at least from like Columbus to Cuyahoga Falls. Like that's at least almost two hours. But like Sandusky to Cuyahoga Falls, come on. It's it's uh, the stopover. It's the stopover. What one time I went from Baltimore to Philadelphia. It, it made no sense. Yeah, like, Baltimore you couldn't, to Philadelphia. You can't even get in the air for an hour and twenty minute flight. Like you'd get up and you'd have to land already for the most mm-hmm. part. I'm pretty sure when I leave Akron Airport, like by the time I'm in the air, I'm already in Cleveland. Like but but I we take off for the most part. Um so I'm at three right now. Uh Toy Story is gonna go on there. Sorry to continue the Disney, but I love Toy Story. Um, and if I could use a technicality, I would also take Toy Story 3 because Toy Story 3 is one of the finest films I've ever created. Um, let's think here. What do I want to put for the last one? This, this is a tough one because I wanted to say like an entire documentary series that's 10 parts, but I don't, I don't know if that's, if that's cheating. Oh, it's cheating. Yeah, that's definitely cheating. <laughs> Are you going to tell him that he can't cheat? Cause I'm not. I'm on the other side of a computer screen. I am perfectly safe right now. There you go. Yeah, but you're going to see him next next Friday. He can't touch me. Social distancing. Not true. Uh, let me think here. If I had to pick one more. You know what? Let's go a little a little wild here. Um, I would probably take Avengers Endgame um, because I saw that movie more in the theaters than any other movie I saw in the theaters. Um, and I just really liked it. And I think that uh, if I have to be stuck on an island, at least that's three-hour burn. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> I mean, I have three movies combined that take nine hours up. So, yeah. yeah, you at least got one day covered. Like you can binge a pretty a pretty good day there on the island. So, and- all right. So football. Um, you mentioned you're a big football guy. I, I would assume you've been to football games. Do you mm-hmm. have a favorite at the game memory from being a football fan? Oh yeah. So. Um- I remember going to, it would have been the year after the, it would have been the, so the Browns went 10 and six in 2008, which was my senior year of high school. Um, or they went 10 and six, sorry, in 2008, they missed the playoffs. That was the best year the Browns had had since the year that they had made the playoffs in 2002. Now, mind you, I, for the most part, do not remember the first five years of the Cleveland Browns of my life because I was five years old. Um, also in 95, I was living in Florida. So all of my memories of Cleveland Browns come from 1999 and beyond. Uh, we are the probably quite honestly, the worst franchise since 1999. Um, so 2008 was awesome to go 10 and six, but of course, just so happens to be that year, the AFC was the strongest it might've ever been and 10 and six didn't make, didn't make the playoffs. Uh, we ended up losing a tiebreaker to the Tennessee Titans, uh, who, sat their starter or we lost the tiebreak to the Titans who beat the Colts in the season finale because Tony Dungy played all the starters for one series and then sat them all. Uh, I still don't like Tony Dungy for that because of that. Um, well, that year, the New York Giants beat the uh, New England Patriots in the Super Bowl to end their undefeated season. And the following year, the Browns, having been 10-6, and six, had some primetime games, one of which was on a Monday night. And the Browns played the Giants on a Monday night football game. And the Browns probably played one of the most wild and great games of their careers. And they won that game. Um, And it was awesome. And I remember, you know, everybody had a lot of hope. The rest of that year, 
did not turn out to be hope as they went six and ten and that was probably i think that was week three and that was uh the apex of said season um i have been to a lot of browns i bought a bad bad browns football um i sat through a game in which they were beating the colts when they were one of the only years they were good and they ended up losing um i went to a game where they played the steelers i think this is one of the, like the four win years they had and I remember I went with my friends and we thought it'd be funny because like the Browns were going nowhere, but we had great seats. Like we were like five rows off the field. We ended up doing a sign and this, obviously this stuff ended up getting really blown out, out up later, but we did a sign where we went and it was like six pages long and it was all the Browns quarterbacks since they had come back. And it was like, we had pictures of each and every one of them in a Browns uniform. This was, I think, 2012, if I'm not mistaken. So there was still way more to this to this puzzle. Uh, I remember that day, the start of Seneca Wallace, and they played the Steelers. And I remember we ended the sign. And this is, mind you, 2012. Uh, we ended the sign with Brett Favre, question mark, and a picture of Brett Favre. <laughs> and my, my old third friend, he was not a Browns fan. He was a really big Packers fan. So we just thought it was funny. And I remember people, like, loving us in the stadium that day because it, like, just – the, the sign was so funny. Now, you know, years later, you know, about six more quarterbacks later, you know, you have the Brown stand with the jersey with all the names on the back of it. Uh, so I want to say we started that. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's tough to be a Browns fan, but to your point, like you've had some success recently now. So there's things are looking, knock on wood, up for the Brownies. So absolutely. All right. Well, we'll get away from the crazy stuff for a minute. So I want to know, you've you've held a lot of titles. You you got you've you've won tag titles. You've won individual titles. What's the what's been your favorite title that you've held? Um, probably honestly these sub tag titles that we currently hold, Kevin and I. Um, the the backstory behind Kevin and I becoming a tag team is interesting in its own right. Um, Kevin and I both had some personal strife in our, our personal lives. Um, we were never like the best of friends. Like, you know, Kevin had brought me in this up. I was sub champion at the time. Um, you know, but we both had some personal strap in our life and it, we kind of bonded over, you know, our personal issues that we were having in our lives. And we kind of through that figured out how similar we were, uh, both in life and how the wrestlers that we liked at this time, uh, Kevin was kind of starting to hit it a little bigger and I was, arguably pretty over at the time um with like i was working in evolve pretty regularly um and i was like i was known as a singles guy and i remember us just literally texting one day and said well what if we become a tag team and it seemed like it was a crazy idea at the time and most people that i know looked at me like i was an idiot they're like why do you want to be half of an attraction when you're a full attraction um, and I just said, you know, it's, I had this feeling and I, I wanted to have fun with my friends. Like at the time, like I was not in the best place mentally. And I, and, you know, I wanted a support system of a, of a really good friend like Kevin. And, you know, we ended up being able to run at a couple places. And then, you know, we ended up picking up some steam and like really starting to feel ourselves. And it's kind of grown to what it is today. And I really think that the sub belts are kind of proof of that. Um, you know, we kind of like the sub tag division got created kind of out of nowhere. And, you know, we really kind of are the founders of that division, along with Cabana Mediana Marco Stunt, which is why that match means, you know, so much to Kevin and I. 
uh, in, you know, one of the loudest matches in sub history. Um, so those belts mean a lot. And also the Black Label Pro tag belts mean a lot. And they, those mean a lot to Kevin and I because Black Label Pro was the first place to really let us team that had any prominence. Um, and they gave us, you know, the chance to succeed. I remember Christmas of around 2018. I remember that uh, we found out we were going to wrestle with Drake and Henry. And to us, that was about the biggest chance to make ourselves as possible. You know, former multiple time Evolve tag champs. Uh, you know, they were very much on everybody's radar at the time. And we were able to go out there and have a phenomenal match with them. And that kind of launched everything for us. So, you know, holding those belts with kind of the day ones in that company means a lot to us. It's interesting because it's it's not just a piece of hardware, right? There's something more to it. And it feels like those two specifically, there's a lot more to them. And there's history that you're almost creating with them as well. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so I'll give one more to the chat. I gave everybody the last chance, and they came back with, are you pursuing your brown belt? Um, yeah, so COVID's really put a massive wrench into that. Uh, obviously, like I said, gyms being shut down was a, was a pain. And then we, I was you know, back to training pretty regularly almost twice a week. And then the second shutdown kind of happened in terms of, like, for me, like, I have pretty bad ADD in terms of, like, I have a hard time focusing on stuff, even stuff that I really enjoy. So uh, the second shutdown in my mind was we weren't allowed to, to do live rolling anymore. And it was like individual drilling. And to me, like, that's not where I learned my best. And I, I wouldn't do that well. So I've kind of been off of jiu-jitsu since about November, I would say. Um, but I am getting ready. The kind of full rolling has finally returned, especially with all the vaccination process and everything. So I'm actually scheduled to return to shoot next Wednesday. So yeah, I'd like to get my brown belt. You know, the, the game plan would be to get the brown belt before the end of the year, hopefully. Cool. Nice. All right, chat. That's good. Chuck, got anything uh, else? Let's see. You're driving. What are you listening to? Whether it be music, podcasts, or just looking at the scenery that's around you. So I have a couple. Uh, we'll start with we'll go with music to start. Uh, Kevin really got me into a lot of like kind of like punk type stuff and like pop punk type stuff and things like that. So we've got a lot of those. My favorite music genre is actually I, I'm a really big fan of like uh, grunge. Um, I kind of like, I love Pro Jam. I love Nirvana, really big audio sleeve guy. So like a little bit of everything in, in those regards. Um, there's definitely some rappers that I do enjoy. Um, it's a little bit of everything on that. Now, when it comes to podcasts, I am all over the place with podcasts. Um, I have some wrestling ones I listen to. Um, I have some true crime ones I listen to, but I'll just name some of them. Um, between the Sheets is one of my favorite podcasts. Uh, Chris Zellner, who's a big action wrestling fan, and David Bixon's fan, they weekly will take a week, a random week of the last you know thirty or so plus years, uh, and they will chronicle what happened in the Dirt Sheets that week, and just kind of it's kind of like a cool wrestling history lesson. Uh, if you have a lot of time on your hands, which I do a lot of driving between Cleveland and Canton, uh, it's like six hour podcasts, but so detailed, so in depth, and they do such a great job. So I love them. Um, Recently, Chris Hero got added to the uh, the Conrad Versa podcasts, and I think Chris Hero is one of the most influential wrestlers of the past you know 25 years. 
when you think of independent wrestling, you think of Chris Hero. Uh, he's also a legitimate wrestling genius. Um, I take his words the gospel and everything. So I've gotten really into his podcast. There's about six episodes out. And that's actually on the free version of the Conrad verse. Uh, so that's on adfreeshows.com. Uh, Kurt Angle just started a podcast that I've gotten really into with Conrad as well, um, which he keeps it pretty short. keeps about an hour and 10 minutes each week. So it's really quick, easy to make it through. I will cherry pick the Joe Rogan experience now. Uh, if there's an MMA fighter on there that I care about, I will make it a point to listen. Like I'm finishing this Corey Sandhagen one right now. Um, but if it's like a fighter I'm interested in or a fighter I kind of want to hear their mental mindset versus their training habits versus how they approach uh kind of everything i really like to enjoy i really enjoy listening to those or sometimes he has like some really like off the wall actors on there like he had robert downey jr on there that was really cool he had uh ed norton on there which is really cool so like sometimes he's got some good ones and then sometimes he's just way too far in that conspiracy theory bullshit for me uh so like i very much will cherry pick joe rogan's uh stuff and then when it comes to uh, uh, true crime, I love, there's a, actually, it's a group of Cleveland guys called Necronomapod. Uh, they do a, a true crime podcast and big wrestling fans too. So that helps out their case. Uh, love listening to them. Uh, just talk about it. Podcast. Yeah. Any kind of like anything and everything. They just did a three week uh, series on Casey Anthony, which was like really eye opening to me because I didn't know a lot about that case. Uh, and it was like a pretty prominent case for me, like right as I was graduating high school. They actually did like a two-part on Chris Benoit as well. So like they've got a great archive and like they have a lot of really cool topics they talk about. Uh, they do true crime. I usually skip their sci-fi type stuff, but that's just because that doesn't really interest me as much. But they're awesome true crime. Um, and then this is a, one that I picked up through Rogan. Um, there's a guy named Jason Flom who uh, heads up the Innocence Project and is really into like kind of overturning false convictions. And he has a false convictions podcast where they kind of like look into a story of a conviction that they believe to be false and they present their facts. And I like to listen to that sometimes too. Nice. Have you checked out any of the new unsolved mystery stuff on Netflix? Yes. Yeah. I've watched it. I watched that uh, the whole first season that, that came out and I started the second season, but I've, I've got so much that I'm watching that like I, I sometimes don't make it through as much as I should, which is part of the reason why I love Cobra Kai so much because the episodes are so short and succinct that it's so easy to make it through. Mm-hmm. What's what's uh, your top show that you're watching right now? Oh, um, right now? Um, well, of all things, we talk about shows. I just went and rewatched The Last Dance, the documentary on the Jordan, uh, yep. the 90s Jordan Bulls. Um, I'm actually going back now and I put this tweet out the other day, the ultimate fighter every season is on ESPN plus right now. Uh, so I'm wanting to go back and watch some of those old seasons that really made me fall in love with MMA. Um, I haven't really started anything new. I do need to start WandaVision though, because everybody asked me if we can find had watched it. And I said, I'm waiting for it to end and I'm going to binge it all at once. But now I'm in a situation where I have to binge it all by next Friday because I want to be ready to go for Captain or for uh, Winter Soldier and uh, Falcon. Yes, nice. I, right? Yeah, exactly. I'm in the same uh, boat. Oh, actually, one of probably okay. Favorite show Ozark. I love Ozark on I Netflix. Can, cannot wait for that to come back. Dude, I am so excited for Ozark. You know what's great is my office. They were the ones who turned me on to it, and my sister had watched it. 
and I watched it all. Um, I watched all three seasons in four days. Oh, damn. Right? I'm, I'm, a, I'm a very bad binger. Like, if I'm on a show, I'm going to watch it all as quickly as I can. Like, like bedtime be damned, all that stuff. So, uh, I'm really excited for the next season of Ozark. Nice. Uh, favorite place to stop when you're on the road to get some snacks or something to eat? Ah, some snacks. So I have to, uh, I have to be very liberal here, um, because I'm a, I'm a Northeasterner, so I have to say sheets. Say it's um, gotta be sheets. Gotta be sheets. Actually, I like sheets collection on snacks entirely more than I like, I like Wawa's. Uh, I do think that Wawa, I'm not like the sheets guy that's like, Wawa sucks. No, like, Wawa's got some awesome things on their menu. Um, especially like, I think that, I think Wawa's like drinks and milkshakes and stuff. They, they kick the literal crap out of like what sheets does. Um, but I like the actual food more sheets. I think that they have better selection, especially when it comes to drinks. And like, that's a big thing for me. Um, yeah. So I like that. And if I'm ever traveling with Matthew Justice, he, he insists on stopping at pilot stations. Like that's his preferred place to stop. So I, I see I see stopping at a pilot as a as a double whammy because not only am I making Matt Justice happy, but I'm also supporting the Cleveland Browns because Jimmy Haslam owns ha- pilot and the Browns. There you go. There you go. Win win. I, I, I never understood the whole like gas station convenience store battles. I mean growing up in New York, I mean we had seven eleven and that was like about it. Like now yeah. I, I, I now I live in Pennsylvania and it's like oh my- I got I got rudders against sheets and it's like ridiculous of where i live now do you have do you guys have a giant eagle in your area of pennsylvania or are you, are you too too deep into pennsylvania no i'm in i'm like uh 30 minutes south of hershey so okay we don't i don't think we have any giant eagles close to yeah. me so, so yeah giant eagles got like pittsburgh uh chain grocery store uh they have a gas station called get-go uh, that has kind of entered into this stuff, and they actually have the best food out of, out of the three. They have the most diverse menu. Uh, their food's actually like really awesome. There's always one I like to stop at on my way home from training, uh, which is like really cool. But yeah, they have, have a really good menu. They actually have the best drink selection out of anybody. So if I had to, to go between those three, it's, it's Get Go. But Get Go's are very you know regional and like doesn't you know extend past the Ohio Pennsylvania area, whereas like. You know, sheets and wow are everywhere. Mm-hmm. See, we're in we're in QT country down here in South Carolina, so that's I mean QT. And if I go a little bit further south, I might get into Parker's. But yeah, that's I, I miss sheets. I miss being up there in the Northeast and, and <laughs> sheets up when I can. But hey, you do what you can. Yeah, exactly. That that's all I got, Christopher. That's all you got. All right, that's we're all here. Got. Here we are. We've gone all the way around the world. We like to you know make this circular so we started at the beginning we kind of learned a little bit about history of, of dom greeny and where where his career has gone we're going to go back we're going to go back and give you the opportunity to talk to 10 year old dom greeny what are you going to tell 10 year old dom i'm going to tell 10 year old dom to always be a relentless dream chaser never settle um always find a goal set it and, and chase it uh, because it comes back to that complacency monster thing. If you ever become complacent at life, it's kind of the end of it. Um, you're not living anymore. You should always be chasing something. Uh, I, I guess I never wanted to be the guy that 
said, I really wish I would have taken a chance on this. Uh, you know, within jiu-jitsu, pro wrestling, it's I've always been chasing something. And I can always say, you know, when I'm done chasing something, will hopefully be A, my death, or B, a time where, you know, I can comfortably just enjoy life. But yeah, uh, just just never settle and be a relentless gene chaser. Uh, never let anybody's opinion of what you're doing affect where you're going to go in your life. Nice. Well, what, Chris, you want me to ask the, the other question before the final question? You know what? Yeah. Ask Dom the extra final question. Are are you are are see I'm concerned because I, I feel I know which way he's gonna pick. You should be concerned. <laughs> as you're going back in time to talk to your ten year old self, Dom, are are you gonna be taking that trip in the DeLorean from Back to the Future or the spacious phone booth from Bill and Ted's excellent adventure? That you could also talk to George Carlin. I am a massive Back to the Future fan, so I am taking the DeLorean. Uh, I legitimately wear, so I, I'm a big socks guy for when I wrestle now that I wear shoes, uh, because for you know five years I didn't wear shoes and I couldn't wear like, cool socks. I always have a special pair of socks when I wrestle. Uh, when I went to Universal last time, I got a pair of socks that is one leg is uh, Doc and one leg is Marty. So I wear those when I wrestle. I have a pair of major league socks that I wear when I wrestle, you know, to kind of give the shout out to Cleveland. Uh, and also I probably honestly should have put major league on my top five movies, but you know, sometimes you, you forget. Five. You only get five. I, only get five. <laughs> I, I mean, if I'm taking one out, just, you know, I take Indian and I put major league in just if I have to say that. Um, and then I have a pair, I have a couple pairs of Toy Story walk socks that I wear. And then Kevin and I have actually, this all ties together. Kevin and I both have a pair of Thanos gear um, that we wear. And I try to wear Thanos socks with that just because it's like matching. So yeah, I'm going, I'm going for in. The right yeah, choice. Uh, yeah. So the, the Cleveland Indians, did you ever go to their the not where what are they playing at now? Jacobs Field or oh, whatever the heck it's called or I, I was way too young to ever go to Municipal Stadium back when it was there. Um okay. because I was born in ninety and I think Jacobs Field was open in ninety three or ninety four. Yeah. I was I was not yeah. And actually true story, when I was a young, young kid, like six, seven years old, I was a Marlins fan because I grew up in Florida. So like it was like, hey, the Marlins are good, and I'm around. And then they got really bad. The Indians still stayed solid. So I switched even after the 97 World Series. F funny story about me, not that anybody wants to hear a funny story about me, but I used to go on baseball trips with my dad all the time. And we, you'd go somewhere, get on a bus, you'd go see five or six different games in different stadiums. And we went to Cleveland one time, and the bus dropped us off at one place and said they were going to pick us up somewhere else. And apparently there was like two levels on one side of the stadium that you could either be at the top level or the bottom to, to like park the bus. And man, we walked around the damn stadium for like a half an hour trying to find this freaking bus. And it was on like the lower level that we had no idea even existed. My dad still talks about that. Hi, dad. Stupid, stu <laughs> stupid, stupid stuff. Anyway. Here we go. Most important question. Oreo cookies. 
there's a debate out there. And we're not talking about flavors. We don't give a shit about flavors. We want to know, are you team single stuff or are you team double stuff? I'm a double stuff guy, and I'm actually crazy enough to take the top off of a double stuff and make a quadruple stuff. Now, do you think that is equal to the most stuff versions that they but have? Most stuff, just because like it's always been most stuff always ends up timing up like when I'm trying to diet of some sorts. So I've never really had the most stuff, but I would say like from what I've seen, they probably are about equal. Yeah. I I now my daughter, again, she got them the other day. We tried them and I was like, mm, I, I, I think there's just a little bit too much cream in these. Just just a little bit too much. Yeah, and like I'm at the point right now where like right now they have that like sprinkled strawberry donut one. And I see it at the store every time I go. And I'm really depressed that, like, right now I'm watching my diet, like, way more than I normally do. So I am sad that I'm not getting to try it. Although I should just take one from the Eric Stevens uh, playbook and grab a set and throw it in the freezer or uh, just keep it until, like, I have a day where I can eat them. There you go. That's actually really smart, put them in the freezer. Yeah. Yeah, like, keep before the gingerbread ones came back this year, like the gingerbread ones came out like two years ago and I come out the year after. So he just like, was like, I had gingerbread Oreos because I put them in the freezer. Genius. Genius. Too much. Vic says they're too much. Double stuff is the best. You're right. Dom, thank you. Thank you for your time tonight. Thank you for, for, for chatting with us. Thank you for just, spending a little bit of time kind of you know, getting, letting us get to know you. Um, we kind of talked through everything you have going on. If we missed anything, if people can go find you, social media, we've been throwing it in the chat a bunch, but please let everybody know where they can go find Dom. Uh, Twitter and Instagram, same handle because I'm smart and uh, we want to be, have, have a good synergy there. Uh, D Garini BC, um, I try to try to tell people to stick away from my Facebook. It's the only kind of like personal Dom social media that I have. I really don't even post on it ever at all anyways. So it's more than fine to not add me on there. I mean, I'm most active on Twitter and Instagram. So add me on there. Um, if you want to buy merch, uh, Kevin and I have MLW shirts out through the MLW shop. Uh, just search for wherever you'll find it. I think it's MLWshop.com. Um, I as well have a pro wrestling tea store. I'm not a big fan of it. I, I have some designs on there that I don't put anywhere else, but I would I'm not saying avoid it, but like last, last chance, uh, last chance, like type stuff, like head there, like maybe color shirts that I have like, that are like seven color designs go there. Um, and then I have a big cartel, which is dgreeny.bigcartel.com. That's kind of where all of my merch is at. Um, it's got my, shirts my hats my stickers my eight by tens all that stuff um and all that stuff is done by local printers i try to really give my local printers uh in terms of the greater cleveland area there's some great options out there um locust printing is usually who i use it's been great to me um and then for stuff like hats i usually go through jack prince which is a cleveland-based company so uh yeah if you guys want to support merch wise that um and if you guys have not yet, and you guys are going to be in the greater Tampa area during WrestleMania weekend, have fun, be sad.com purchase tickets to our show. Please make Kevin and I feel like we didn't uh, fail. 
Well, I know uh, I know Val will be there. So we're sending our crack reporter Val Pancakes down to Tampa. She'll be there. Uh, the Bald Monkeys will be there in some shape or form, whether it be sponsorship or if I can figure out my schedule for that weekend, I might just come in for at least the Have Fun, Be Sad show because, man, that one's shaping up. That one's shaping up to be something special. Thank you guys for all coming. Thanks for all joining us with Dom. We appreciate the chat. I saw some great numbers tonight. Great questions. Don't forget, next week is our very first episode of Action News Report with our crack reporter, CEO Matt Griffin. So please come join us next week. We're going to talk all things action wrestling. Maybe we'll mix in some sub too. I'm sure we'll talk about Tampa. There's plenty to talk about. Thanks for stopping by. Yes, Val, you in Tampa, you're in charge. Dom, thanks. Everybody have a good night. Everybody stay safe out there and go with support some independent wrestling. Go watch IWTV. Go watch MLW. Go watch watch everything. Go watch wrestling. Go rent rent your VHS. Yeah. Go get a VHS. Visit IWTV.live today to watch these great action wrestling events plus numerous other archive shows from Action and other great independent promotions. Use code ACTION for a free five-day trial. Don't miss out. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at The Bald Monkeys. Watch us live on our new Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash The Bald Monkeys.